0: If life starts approximately a billion years ago, we will have to wait 400,000 years to see the aberration of the first nerve cells. This is where life as we know it begins. Brains in formation of only a few milligrams. What? It's not possible to determine any sign of intelligence yet. Well, okay, Uh, well, the reflex, right? One neuron, you're alive. Two neurons, you're moving. Uh, moving, no. Interesting things begin to happen. I mean, ask protozoa if they can move without brain cells? I mean, that's... Animal life on Earth goes back millions of years. Yep. Yet most species only use 3 to 5% of its cerebral capacity. What is cerebral capacity? Oh, no. That We're going to have some problems. Cerebral capacity.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Psych Podcast, the podcast where psychology meets film. I am your host, Dr. Alex Swan. Now, as you might have recognized in the intro, today's episode is going to be on Lucy, the film released in 2014 by Luc Besson. Probably most famous for the Fifth Element, so let me give you a chance to recognize that name there. It uh, stars Scarlett Johansson as the eponymous person in the movie Lucy, and uh, she's apparently a college student in Taipei for some reason. Who ends up uh absorbing a designer drug after she's kidnapped and uh, forced to be a a drug mule um to go back to the United States I think and it ultimately makes her brain really really awesome Morgan Freeman also stars as the character exposition <laughs> I enjoy that one i, I I'm never going to not like that joke. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this episode of the podcast will be sort of antithetical to what we've sort of developed over the last several episodes and antithetical to what we consider me and the guest hosts that I have on good teaching of what it means to be psychological uh portrayal in film. So in other words, like we want the podcast in general to be like good stuff, but every once in a while we gotta throw in the wrench to change it up, keep people interested in coming back, you know? Ah, marketing. Perhaps a better way to look at our discussion today is to view it as uh, a bit of a cautionary tale. Uh, what good myth busting should be if you plan on using a popular Hollywood film in your classes or if you just if you're just a film enthusiast and a psych enthusiast, you know uh and so me and my guests today uh as psychologists, we decided we were gonna call this a rage watch followed by a rage chat. So that's what we're doing. Um because the science in this uh film is so very, very, very much re- misrepresented for the sake of fiction that, you know, l- let's be honest, it's raised inducing. thing. We don't like it. It's not great. Gives uh gives our profession a uh, slightly uh bad name. Tinge tinge of the bad name. So of of course you know, the rage is a bit tongue in cheek, but nevertheless, nevertheless, any brain scientist, at least we think so, would be saddened by the perpetration of bad brain myths, especially in this movie. OK, so our chat today on Lucy is probably going to be in the vein of nitpickers and naysayers against the the sake of the quality of the film or the enjoyment of the film but you know i think we're we're pretty good at 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 doing it in a fun way um i consider myself a, a fun guy so stick around my guest host today is dr christina reagan christina is an assistant professor of psychology at Purdue University Northwest. Her current research focuses on stress and anxiety. She tends to teach first-year experience in psychology, intro psychology, statistics, research methods, and biopsychology. And she is a sucker for good pedagogy. Christina, welcome
2: to the program. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be on your podcast.
1: Great. I'm glad that you are here Uh, to get us started. As I ask all of my guest hosts um, on your background related to film and what the film we are talking about today being Lucy. What has your research and our teaching focused on that um, we can connect to Lucy?
2: Sure. So first of all, I just want to say that I have. Uh, never tried to create any superhumans. <laughs> okay. And, and I have certainly never conducted any research that was void of informed consent. So I just want to put that out there that this is not tied directly to my research, but I am definitely interested in the brain and how the brain works. Mm-hmm. So uh, so broadly, my research focuses on the neurobiology of individual differences in stress and anxiety. So I want to know things like, why are some people prone to anxiety while others aren't? And they you know go through the same kinds of experiences. So what's really going on in the heads of theirs? And I'm uh, even more focused on looking at uh, anxiety during the postpartum period. But I I look at Moms and non moms alike Mm -hmm. in my research. So, most of my training has involved working with rodent models. Okay. But yeah. So, uh, but now I've moved on up the food chain (laughs) and I'm, (laughs) and I've started working with humans.
1: That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Rats then. Yeah. I
2: got, I mean, whenever I tell people that I study anxiety, I always get the, oh, you should study me. Because everyone has anxiety. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So, as far as teaching goes?
2: Yeah. So, in regards to teaching, I tend to teach some pretty challenging courses. Mm -hmm. So, they are challenging for me as an instructor to teach. And they're pretty challenging for students to take. Um, I'm really not big on memorization for just the sake of memorization, I really want students to try to ask why something the way it is. You know, getting down to our like inner five-year-old selves, but nice. why? <laughs> you know, but why? Um, so I'm I'm really a big fan of encouraging students to try to figure out uh, how the courses that I teach can apply uh, not only to their future career goals but really to their day-to-day lives.
3: Yes,
1: and um, you are fairly prolific on um sharing all of that stuff files and everything and it's really awesome so keep that up um because you make (laughs) my teaching (laughs) less challenging um because i just steal all of your stuff anyways um uh, you know informed (laughs) consent anyways let's pivot to film So my questions for you on this one, and I'll just ask them all and you, you answer them how you, how you feel you, uh, you want to answer them. But first question is, uh, why do you love film? Why do you combine film and psych in your teaching? And what do you want your students and other film uh, and or film enthusiasts to know about film and psychology?
2: Sure. So I really love to incorporate film into my classes because they're such a huge part of our culture. Right. Who hasn't seen a movie?
3: Right. right?
2: Everybody watches movies and it's part of our entertainment. It's uh, sometimes art imitating life. And it's just something that so many people enjoy. So I, I think that oftentimes a movie clip can really it can explain something or convey something better than I could ever do. I can, I can tell you a story or I can show you an example. So I really love showing little snippets in class mm-hmm. uh, of something and, and it kind of, you know, it, it changes up the, the the pedagogy too. So it's not, uh, it's not think, pair, share. It's not me talking at them. It's not uh cold calling. It's just, you know, they, they're immersing themselves uh, in, in art to, to display a concept from class. So um sometimes I wish that I still had to wheel in a TV cart, you know, like from middle school. <laughs> oh, that brings it, back memories. Right? Yeah. Because because then you see the the look of joy on their faces. They're like, all right, we're gonna watch a movie. Yeah, it's That's a lot
1: more of, subtle these days, right. embedding <clears throat> them into PowerPoint. Yeah. Or like yeah. you know, putting putting a dvd into the computer Mm -hmm, and it's like oh yeah mm -hmm. the the projector's already on
2: right yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah so i think because it's it's something we can all relate to and it's it just shows things in a way that i just you know can't necessarily do justice to
1: yeah same same here um do you have any particular classes that uh you do film assignments in?
2: Yeah, so uh, kind of tangentially in uh, introductory psychology, mm-hmm. we do this uh, every unit, they have to submit an assignment where they have to relate something that they observe in the real world. Okay. And it's often, often they pick a movie. Okay. Um, but this could be a TV show, a conversation they had, people watching. And, uh, and then they have to relate that to something discussed in each chapter of our textbook so it's kind of a way to help them review the material mm-hmm. and make it and make it applicable so uh, so yeah that's where uh, the students tend to pick movies and I really love it because they'll say Dr. Reagan you really need to see this if you haven't seen it and then I just I add that film to my list okay
1: Captain America All right <laughs>
2: yeah so i think it's it's fun because it gives them the choice
3: yeah and, i like it
2: right yeah it's not me picking a film for them to analyze it's you know what do you already like what is something you've already seen and is making you think
1: yeah that's really good um uh i might have to try that one time again thanks for the uh, uh teaching tip
2: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely happy to share i think people have shared so much with me that I feel like it's just in it forward.
1: Christina, as as I mentioned, we're going to talk about Lucy. We are going to rage chat about Lucy. Um so we were going back and forth with with some movies and ultimately we settled on Lucy. So, and and you're the one who um, if I recall correctly, you're the one who made the suggestion and I'm like, yeah. you know what? That's a good one to change up the game a little bit with mm-hmm. the podcast. So what was your reasoning behind the suggestion?
2: Okay. So last semester I taught a first year experience in psychology class, which is kind of a, how to do college and what are different things you can do with a psychology degree. kind of. So many of us teach mm-hmm. that kind of class. And so their semester long project was uh, they had the challenge to have to dive into some of the most prominent and prevailing myths in psychology mm-hmm. and, and then they presented that actually as an infographic. So it's pretty cool. They got to be you know as artistic as they wanted to be. They got to pick whatever myth. you know, I gave them suggestions, right that They wanted to pick one. So uh, a couple of students had picked the, we only use ten percent of our brain. Myth. And um, and one student had said, "Oh, I love that movie, Lucy."
3: Uh huh.
2: And so I, I had to keep my composure, <laughs> <laughs> um, because you know I, there's that meme of uh, from some comic strip, and yeah, and the guy is covering somebody's mouth, and he goes, "Shh." Let just enjoy things, and I feel like I have that issue <laughs> of not letting people enjoy things. But, um, but on that on, on that presentation day, I got into this long discussion uh, with some of these students about that movie and just how you know the pervasive this this myth is, and some of the problems and the science mm-hmm. behind it, and uh and. And so that's part of that's one of the main reasons why I this. And then another uh, time that this comes up in class is on the first day of biosite. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, I'm going to put some popular myths up and let's just, you know, nip this in the bud on day one. Yeah. You all should not be. <laughs> you should not be believing these. And so that's that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the ones uh, that comes up there. And so pretty much any student who knows me knows I'm I'm the huge myth buster. I'm, I'm no fun Reagan. Who who, t- who takes uh, takes your favorite movies and is like, "Nope. No. Nope, but looks pretty or that's funny or that's entertaining, but no, not real."
1: Turn your brain brain off for this. I
2: know. You know, I know that's
1: Turn your brain off for this film if you're going to if you're going to watch it cuz um <laughs> No Fun Reagan apparently is going to come in <laughs> smash it, smash your dreams. Um, but it, it but it, you mentioning the meme about shh, you know, let let people enjoy it reminds me of the other comic where um somebody's like, Oh, I'm gonna sign off right now or the sick figure's like, I'm gonna sign off right now and then they're like, Wait, nope, somebody's wrong on the internet. <laughs> oh,
4: someone's that. wrong on the internet. And so
1: instead instead of internet replace psychology.
4: <laughs> so, nope, someone's somebody's
1: wrong, wrong psychology. in psychology. Hold on. <laughs> Hold my beer. Um, yes,
2: that's me. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I essentially we are going to uh, rip apart the science that's in this movie, mm-hmm. um, mainly because I think it's very wrong. Even though, um, on the special features on the the DVD, you can find them, uh, or Luke Basson, uh, specifically, um. Talking about how he went and talked to scientists and they they have an interview with a couple of with a couple of faculty members. I'm just gonna call mm-hmm. them faculty members because I, sure. I don't know what they're doing. Um I think they had some titles, but <laughs> talked to some faculty from uh American universities and um kind of given him I think maybe they gave him some good information and then he went and messed it all up. I don't know. But as far as like it being a good movie, which is a completely different topic for another podcast to do, but Mm. honestly, it's not a very good movie. Um, in my opinion, it's not, it's not a winning any awards. That's for sure.
2: It's, I think it's very visually appealing though. I I think it's pretty It looks pretty, I, sure. Yeah, it looked pretty. It had cool like sporty type visual effect. So I will give it credit there.
1: Fair. It's <laughs> fair. But as far as story <laughs> <Not convinced>. goes, <laughs> no. as far as story goes, there's no there's very little plot. Um and it's uh very little um substance. And so all that's left is the science that they that they talk about and it's it's not good it's not good science it's the 10% it's the 10% myth on the drug that is presented in the film does that make sense like yeah. the drug makes you super like a freaking aware and stuff like that and they just turn the the myth uh, to to eleven.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean it's it goes beyond normal human abilities. I Right. Just when we're getting into the supernatural of it and like becoming other like non-corporeal forms, yeah. That's where I'm like, where does this come from? I you just gotta unlock see, your brain power. I could see better vision, right? That I could, I could see mm-hmm. something like that happening. I uh, could see better hearing.
3: But, yeah,
2: but like moving things with your mind, I. Hmm. Mm, mm.
1: Yeah. Get it. So let's let's give um, the listeners some background on the t- the ten yes. percent yes, myth. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so the ten percent myth is as one of those myths that won't die. You f- you said you found a, a poll before um, we started recording. Uh, what were the details of that poll again?
2: Yeah, so uh, a few years ago, about two thousand Americans were polled, asking whether they believed that you know we only use ten percent of our brain in any given day, mm-hmm. and. Sixty five percent of those polls agreed.
1: Yeah, that's that's a bit troubling. And like I said, it's it's the myth that won't die. It's a little more uh, at least the stories that I've been told. I've heard some variations on its uh, origin, but the origin that I've I've read into and looked into um, about where it got its start. Was with one of an uh, with is with one of the early American psychologists William James. So this was around the turn of the twentieth century. So if we're talking about myth and 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 you bringing up um, the fact that you brought up a t- couple of years ago, sixty five percent. This myth is like more than a hundred years old. I'm sure there are older myths, but you know, let's let's, let's let psychology have its uh, right place in the sun. Um, <laughs> In one of his writings, uh, he opined that humans were apparently only using about 10% of their cognitive potential, and he described cognitive potential as intellectual ability, more Mm. than physical, uh, aspects of the brain. I mean, it's a vague phrase, he was more of a philosopher than a psychologist, in my opinion. Um, but, uh... He was suge- he was suggesting something that was kind of technically, at least in my opinion, innumerable. Like he was like, "Yeah, ten percent. That sounds like a good place. It's just low."
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um right. And brain and brain power or brain usage or the phrase they use. I'll come back to the phrase they use. Uh, I'm a, I'm on my rant horse now. <laughs>
2: Um, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm like all amped up. I'm yeah,
1: this I'm is, yeah, we're getting, getting down, down into this. And, and, and so the phrase they use in the movie is, uh, is brain capacity. That seems like there's some finite value to it. And so there's a disconnect there. Right. But, um, William James was just referring to how he saw people were just not intellectual. They weren't intellectually curious. They were lazy, intellectually lazy or even physically lazy. They just decided he just saw that people were, um, content with going about their days as almost automatons. Um, and you know, I would imagine through the years, people thought similar things, um, even before him and after him and and uh, it's probably a smug and elitist thing to say. Um, that you know, most people are anti-intellectual or or um, apathetic for cognitively stimulating endeavors. But you no, know, it's William James.
2: Yeah, he was, he was Mr. Cool Cat. He was so Mr. Cool Cat. Spoke a bunch of languages. Got a medical degree that he didn't really use. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's going around saying that. Look at you, people. You're not even. Trying to think critically. Your brains are amazing.
1: <laughs> uh, Why are we all
2: Sciences
1: And then okay. the um the, the so the 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 myth then began um through uh, an historical game of of telephone uh so it, it was misrepresented and then it was misrepresented again and it was misrepresented again and, again and again and again and again and you end up with a shortening to ten percent of the brain. Boom done. Uh three words technically uh when you write it out four words i guess um and it's there you go it's simple brain is an organ people know that 10 percent number people know that boom done and the rest becomes a horrible history of psychology
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i've even heard it be accredited to like the self-help and self-esteem book you know, just, uh, just imagine yeah. your potential if you use more than 10% of your brain. You're you're doing yourself a disservice by just using 10% of your brain. And so, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't get it, but it, people kind of take it as gospel.
1: They do. They do, don't they? <laughs> um, the, the, uh, okay. So. Sparking on that piece. Yeah. Cognitive capacity, the movie. Right. Kind of starts out with two parallel things going on. One, Lucy and uh, her boyfriend, who is who is uh, which famous character is he?
2: You're on Greyjoy. We get Uh, some Game of Thrones
1: up in here. (laughs) Randomly in Taipei. And then the other parallel track that eventually they converge is um, Morgan Freeman as the character Exposition explaining to a large group of people uh, his theories. And I'm doing air quotes here. Christina Mm -hmm. can see them. Air quotes. His theory. Very important.
2: Air quotes.
1: Although I will give I will give the screenwriter credit. Whether that was Luke Besson or somebody else, they do uh, have Morgan Freeman pretty much describe theory correctly when um, he is uh, first um, talking, chatting with uh, with Lucy. Um, he was like, "It's just untested, untested things and." and assumptions, and I'm like, okay, well, at least you got part of it right.
0: For primitive beings like us, life seems to have only one single purpose, gaining time. And it is going through time seems to be also the only real purpose of each of the cells in our bodies. To achieve that aim, the mass of the cells that make up earthworms and human beings has only two solutions, be immortal or to reproduce. If its habitat is not sufficiently favorable or nurturing, the cell will choose immortality. In other words, self-sufficiency and self-management. On the other hand, if the habitat is favorable, they will choose to reproduce. That way, when they die, they hand down essential information and knowledge to the next cell, which hands it down to the next cell, and so on. Thus knowledge and learning are handed down through time.
2: Alright, that's some science that's pretty legit. I can I can get behind that.
1: That's that's true. Um I will give him that. Uh but he goes on to say he goes on to to start talking about um what is termed in the movie cognitive capacity and, and that's right. where the ten percent brain myth is um gets its legs in the film. Mm-hmm. Um Cognitive capacity—it's a—it's an annoying phrase. I hate it. I hate it so much.
2: Yeah, I mean it. It, it makes me think like how much brain can you stuff in your head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. It's so vague, uh, and we know that you can't use a hundred percent of your brain. If you did, you'd be seizing. Yeah and 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 she does actually see it at the beginning when the or when the drug's are activated, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just i don't it's such a big term, but i it sounds real jargony and sciency, mm-hmm. and so I think that's why they use it of just like look at that, we're barely tapping into our brains potential,
1: yeah, and I can give I can suspend my disbelief. Um, with Besson using brain capacity or cognitive capacity as the phrase and we only use 10% because it's so vague like we can suspend disbelief but then he goes and screws it up by saying that dolphins use 20%
2: <laughs> okay right um, mm-hmm. and so
1: it's like where'd you go and get that one Out yeah. your yeah <laughs> Um,
2: right,
1: right, and, and, then, and then his reason for, or his evidence for um, dolphins having double the brain capacity uh, is that they have echolocation, which has right. nothing to do with... Oh, think the, how
2: smart we'd be if we used echolocation as humans? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Why would we need to? Our eyeballs are just fine. <laughs> I mean, our
1: eyeballs could use a little work, but
2: <laughs> well, at times, yeah, yeah. But-,
1: but um, I mean, we have a fairly decent echolocation system.
2: Well, yeah, for okay.
1: for sounds traveling in air.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, you know why he picked dolphins, right?
1: Yeah, because dolphins are so cute, and yeah, they're like are oh, super everybody- smart, and it's like. Well, you're not that yeah. smart if you keep yeah. living in the water.
2: <laughs> why haven't you grown legs yet? Huh? Yeah, or figured out how to walk, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry for the dolphin lovers out there. Yeah, I, no, I like we're, we we just love dolphin. fine. dolphins. No, are we great. love mm, they're so cute. But <laughs> yeah, so we know why you picked the dolphin, and then I guess he was trying to figure out, like, well, what's the big difference between a dolphin and a human? Oh, that echolocation, you know, flipper. So that, yeah, that's some some light science there.
1: Right. And literally doesn't answer any questions about the two numbers, 10 and 20%, which then carries the rest of the plot of the film, which is like what happens when you go to 20? What happens when you go to 30? 40, etc. What aspects of the movie made you cringe other than those two? <laughs>
2: um, well, first of all, at the very, very beginning, when she's talking a good old Euron.
3: Yeah, he's,
2: he's just he's just like, hey, uh, you're going to deliver this drug. Boom. And uh, next thing she knows, she's getting sliced open, gets a bag of drugs placed in her Uh i mean oh my god this is a girl studying abroad's nightmare right (laughs) and so so first of all she's in this experiment unbeknownst to her right total Mm -hmm. lack of informed consent so i i I gotta slide that in there of the ethics (laughs) of this whole experimentation and she was the only woman I noticed in that group of people being experimented on. So typical, typical, not testing on more women. It's <laughs> not that they should, not that they should be, but I did notice that there was a uh, low female representation in that, uh, in that sample. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Those, those Taiwanese gangsters did not get <laughs> right. their IRB approval.
2: <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and, uh, and when uh, good old Morgan Freeman, so when the character jumped, of
1: exposition. Yep.
2: Yes. Yes. So when he's saying this, the uh, one neuron means you're alive. Two, two neurons means you're moving. Yeah. One neuron means you're alive. Two neurons means you're moving.
1: I, 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 to, I, I mean, I, I heard that again.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'm like, what?
2: What? Yeah. Yeah, I can think of plenty of creatures that go against what he just said, like, you know, little amoeba that floating around with their flagella and stuff. And, yeah. and so I I don't know where I don't know where that those running around, you know, with those numbers. It's a lot of number throwing.
3: Yeah. I think that's I, what's bothering
2: right. me.
1: Right. Um, I wonder who. Like who said that if if an if an academic right. said that, I want to know what um where they got their degree from because <laughs> I, I, there are trillions, trillions of bacteria sure that
2: yeah.
1: aren't brain cells. <laughs> nope.
2: <laughs> and what are they doing just sitting there? No, they move around. Oh, and, and and I don't I don't think we even count like uh you know uh so e- embryos when they move to like the fetal stage do we say the one neuron alive two neurons means you're moving I don't think. <laughs> so I don't no think I think so.
1: by the time I I think by the time um, zygotes and embryos <laughs> um, are moving they have Quite a quite a few more than
2: two. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So that just throwing around the numbers. There was another getting back to the cerebral capacity. So he says three to uh, most species use about three to five yeah. percent of their cerebral capacity. Where did that come from? I mean, just because they're why? all dumber. Yeah, right. Obviously, they're not dolphins and they're not humans. And yeah, it's just you know from an evolutionary perspective that just doesn't. Makes sense. Like, why? Why would that happen to mm-hmm. be so inefficient?
1: And why is it such a small range?
2: Uh, right, I know. <laughs> so it's I,
1: only three mm-hmm, percent,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the maximum is even five percent. I I've noticed some doubling occurring here. Oh, so, right, yeah. Like the numbers three to five percent then doubles to humans, which is ten. Ten,
2: Then yeah. doubles
1: to dolphins, which is twenty. Mm-hmm. God. I think I wonder they just. If there was an, an animal that could use 40%. <gasps>
2: <laughs> Maybe that's elephants because of their, <laughs> you know, they never forget and their memories. Why weren't they tapped into?
1: Perfect segue, Christina, but, uh, on the never forgetting. So uh, as Lucy is getting high on some,
2: oh, the cringe. some drugs, <laughs> cringe, cringe, cringe. I'm going to go
1: ahead and play that clip for everyone um where she calls her mom. And, um, she starts telling her mom things. So have a listen.
4: The pain in my mouth when I had braces, I, I can remember the feeling of your hand on my forehead when I ran a fever. I remember stroking the cat. It was so soft. The cat? What cat, honey? A Siamese with blue eyes and a broken tail. Sweetie, you can't possibly remember that. You were barely a year old. I remember the taste of your milk in my mouth. The room. The liquid. Sweetie, what are you talking about? I just want to tell you that I love you, Mom and Dad. Sweetie. And I want to thank you for the thousand kisses that I can still feel on my face. Uh, uh, as you heard from that clip,
1: um, she remembers the way her breast, her mother's breast milk tasted.
2: And, you know, I study moms. I love moms. Love my mom. But, you know, sometimes there's a reason for childhood and amnesia. <laughs> as sweet and bonding as that experience is, I'm sorry, super, super cringe fest. That's gonna get, that's a that's a five-star cringe rating for me <laughs> over here. Of I mean, I think, I think I actually like physically cringe when she said that because I was like, okay, every feeling, every memory
3: mm-hmm. is
2: kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. And then she got to that part and I was like, oh. Okay. I guess the whole inhibitory part of your prefrontal cortex, that part's not so active, is
3: it? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You're you're oversharing
1: here. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh you know, and everything that we we know um regarding brain development suggests that there's a significant prune. Uh, yeah around the age of five right and so you get rid of all of stuff like literally right. so where would get rid of all those neurons where would they have, com- yeah. were,
2: where where would the they have come from it, it would make more sense if she was given this drug as a baby yeah right and then she's getting all these memories remain so she doesn't have the sure. pruning right oh wh- where would the memories come back from
1: Yeah, because memories are just connections between various neurons in the same sequence. So, they're not, the sequences aren't there, so what the hell?
2: I know, exactly. exactly. It's not not like a blocking. It's not a, oh, I know I I remembered this at some point Mm -hmm. later in my life, but no, it's, it's I don't know how it would physically get those pruned off synaptic connections Mm -hmm. back. How mm. there's a reason why we don't remember every single thing. I mean, goodness, it takes so much energy, right? For our brains to just function typically. Yeah. Just a default mode network. Yeah, exactly. So then if we're remembering every single memory, just. mm. I think we'd have to eat a lot. <laughs> we'd have to get a lot more glucose or something.
1: And all of that extra caloric and glucose intake would immediately go to your brain. And I just don't think that's, I don't think that's feasible with the way that our metabolism is set up.
2: Oh, and what's the point? Like, what is the benefit? Right. If we, we
1: could bring evolution stuff. in that. what What is the, what's the benefit?
2: Like, we don't need to know what we ate for dinner three months ago. Like There's a reason why we forget these things. Exactly. And so creepy breast milk (laughs) taste is one thing that I I think it's okay to forget.
1: (laughs) Remembering breast milk aside, it is a really interesting scene because um, Besson pulls in on her face and, and Scarlett Johansson does a really good job of still crying. Like yes. not sobbing, but se- tears yeah, going down sing- her face.
2: Yeah. Single tear.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I call that still crying. I, I'm amazed that if when people can do that and they just like blink and the tear falls Cry. down their face. Um, as we go chronologically through this film, mm-hmm. um, actually, let's back up a second. Um, you notice some things that I didn't notice. And I I think it's because you you spend a little more time, a little bit more time with biosec on this one. When she first has the drug coursing through her system. Yes. What uh, what happens?
2: Oh, yes. I was taking notes like mad. Okay, so she gets kicked in the tummy super hard by her captor. Mm -hmm. And then that activates the drug.
1: Yeah. Rips open the drug meal bag that it was in. Right.
2: Yeah, so all the blue little crystals are mm. activated now. The first, she starts seizing. That's probably the most accurate part of the whole movie of, like, ooh, you're getting a whole bunch of drugs in you, and yep. probably some neurons are firing that should not be firing. So, mm-hmm. yes, most likely would be, okay? Um, and then, uh, so she's getting super aggro, right? She She's first, like, she tried to kind of seduce him, and then boom she uh is like kicking and and doing some super like martial art type kicks and and so i'm thinking like oh i guess it first activated her hypothalamus to be like way amped up and she's getting some off the charts vasopression Mm -hmm. depression right she's like super aggressive Mm -hmm. um since she's she gets this gun and she's shooting people indiscriminately she's ravenous with hunger like she's just Eaten whatever. And so I'm like, all right, we definitely got some hypothalamic activation here. That's probably as, at its capacity, <laughs> if that's possible. And like I was saying earlier, I guess the prefrontal cortex just wasn't activated yet at this point. The whole inhibition of behavior, mm-hmm. those those neurons that are supposed to be turning off other systems, those aren't activated. So She's out in the world. She's observing every single stimuli. Right? Again, the reason why we don't take every single stimulus around us. Right. Um, so I'm thinking, is this really enhanced brain capacity or is she experiencing ADHD? <laughs> like, is, she, is she just like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. I'm taking this in and my attention is just everywhere. That's what I was thinking. It seems like I'm getting more of an a d h d vibe here,
1: yeah, and that sound i mean maybe if uh maybe uh people with a d h d know something we don't,
2: yeah, maybe they are taking in some more things, maybe they're using more of their brain that cerebral capacity,
1: yeah, mm. maybe it's like ten point three percent
2: margin of error <laughs> right. increase yeah mm-hmm.
1: um okay. So the last, um, the last thing I want to uh, riff on is um, the gobbledygook explanation of time. And so I'm going to throw that clip in, in here, and then we'll come back to it.
4: How did you manage to access all this information? Electrical impulses. Every cell knows and talks to every other cell. They exchange a thousand bits of information between them per second. Cells group together, forming a giant web of communication, which in turn forms matter. Cells get together, take on one form, deform, reform. Makes no difference. It's all the same. Humans consider themselves unique, so they've rooted their whole theory of existence on their uniqueness. One is their unit of measure, but it's not. All social systems we put into place are a mere sketch, one plus one equals two, that's all we've learned. But one plus one has never equal two. There are in fact no numbers and no letters. We've codified our existence to bring it down to human size to make it comprehensible. We've created a scale so that we can forget its unfathomable scale.
0: But if humans are not the unit of measure, And the world isn't governed by mathematical laws. What governs all that?
4: Film a car speeding down a road. Speed up the image infinitely, and the car disappears. So what proof do we have of its existence? Time gives legitimacy to its existence. Time is the only true unit of measure. It gives proof to the existence of matter. Without time, we don't exist.
1: So they, they they talk about time in such a weird way, where you you know speed up a car infinitely, and it and it disappears.
2: Disappears. It
1: disappears. Yeah. Um, and so I am assuming that's what happens to Lucy in the end. She literally becomes space time, which is, I think, a cop out. Uh, for one hundred, and as you mentioned at the at the top of the discussion with um, when we get into supernatural stuff and controlling people, you know, psi abilities, we'll say, and uh, it's just like, wh- why would our brain be able to do that?
2: Right. Yeah, that was just such a leap. it was why why would we ever leave our body i don't um
1: considering that um the whole point the whole conceit of the work of of um dr exposition is that um he he's trying to say that humans want to be immortal and that's great sure Sure. just like all genes want to be immortal Yeah. But, but why does yeah. that mean you have to become space time?
2: Yeah, and 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 the weird goo. Yeah, the black goo. That, and the black goo, like I and, and that made a little bit of sense because it says, "Oh, you know, she was looking for energy." And sure, if you're using all that capacity, you like we said, you're going to need to be looking for energy. But yeah, turning into the like omnipresent Lucy that. Yeah. That was lost on me, but I am—I—I am, I, I, I am no philosopher. Uh, I'm not a stoner either, so maybe that's why <laughs> I just can't wrap my head around it. Maybe I need to be on that CPH four drug to even picture this happening. But yeah, that's the big leap where yeah. I'm like telekinesis. Okay, that's been thought about before. <laughs> sure, sure. It's still Above the normal realm of human capacity. So, but I'll give you telekinesis. Um, But, but when we jump to the becoming space time, uh, mm, why? Why did it go to that big leap?
1: I don't know. I think maybe Luc Besson was on something. And what's crazy is that Fifth Element's actually really good, and yeah. some of his other films are really good. And he, did, I think, he missed the mark on this one. Um, I think he tried to do too much by making Mm -hmm. science cool. But Mm -hmm. as we know from other films, science can be cool all by itself. Uh, So, you know, we don't. I I think that the science tries to be a little bit too grounded. And it ultimately just becomes way too fiction.
2: Yeah, especially towards the end, we're getting like. 80 90 99% 100% disappeared like yeah all of that was just kind of just rushed through mm-hmm. um and it was probably because i bet he had this ending in mind before he had all the middle parts and so he's like i just want to get to this like she's everywhere yeah i am everywhere i am everywhere he he had that i think in his head the whole time
3: mm-hmm.
2: and but bogus
1: Hey, I have, I have a, a last uh, one. Last question. So yep. you, you mentioned the name of the 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 name of the oh. drug was a derivative of CPH four. Mm-hmm. Is that
2: is that real? I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Um. So Luke Besson claims that it's real, but okay. he won't he won't say what the name of it is. He he was in an interview and he claims yes, the real thing, saying it's a a this like human growth factor that's present you know during gestation uh but he's like i don't want to say the name of it and i and i bet he's worried that now some mad science is going to try to recreate the movie by creating a cph so, so cph4 itself does not exist but human growth factors like it do that certainly exist to to promote fetal growth.
1: yeah and um and, and based on your knowledge, studying um, moms and, and new moms and, and that sort of thing, can the babies control people with their minds?
2: Well, yeah, they cry and parents come running. Damn so it. I think, You're babies, right. I think uh, babies, babies certainly have Luke mind Besson, control. You've figured out life. <laughs> All they got to do is cry and they get what they want. So I'd say they are pretty powerful. So it's that Dame pruning, <laughs> they lose it when they. Ugh, oh, it is.
1: It's the opposite, right? Oh my gosh, I think we just solved this movie. Everyone I should, be- everyone should love this movie for the science it's promoting, and um, <laughs> use it yeah. for all of psychology. Ten percent myth, totally true. You heard it here first, right? Cinema Psych <laughs> Podcast promoting Pre- psychology <laughs> since twenty nineteen.
2: <2019. laughs> Pre pruning. We have that 100% capacity. It's
1: that, oh my it's gosh. We are our, so dumb. Oops. We give our title to dolphins.
2: <laughs> I bet babies have echolocation. <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to be good swimmers. So we don't even know what they're saying underwater.
1: Hmm. Oh my God. They they <laughs> probably are talking with dolphins. But we got to get. We, okay. New study. Infants in water with dolphins
2: and baby See, dolphin, baby. And baby
1: yes. Baby dolphins. And then we have them communicate with each other and, um, we develop a new language and stuff like that. It'd be great.
2: I worry they're going to take over.
1: Oh uh, yeah. That, that's yeah. true. Uh, uh it, Simpsons did an episode about dolphins taking over. So it, it's just I part should. for the course about the Simpsons predicting the future. So maybe <laughs> it's inevitable.
2: Oh man, I'm a huge Simpsons fan too. So I probably stole it from them. And I did <laughs> I didn't remember.
1: Ugh. Oh gosh, it's a 10% striking again. Dang it.
2: Dang it. Dang cerebral capacity. So low. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All righty. Thanks to Christina Reagan for joining me to discuss Lucy while saying goodbye, Christina. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, where can folks find more about your work?
2: Yes. Uh, so I got to plug my uh, Facebook page. So anybody who teaches courses that include neuroscience or biological psychology, they should re- request to join my teaching resources for biological psychology and neuroscience. So I will I will say,
1: link it um I will link it online.
2: Oh sweet. Yeah, yeah, so it's really meant for instructors uh, because we share files, we share assignments. So it's really meant for the for instructors of these kinds of classes. It's a really great group. And in fact, I think that's how we became internet friends.
1: Maybe but I, uh, I think mo part partly STP the STP yeah. group and and yeah. and your group. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then we met irl
1: and then we yeah. met irl yeah yeah and then you yeah. ditched me and it's fine.
2: Yeah, fine yeah yeah this so, year
1: though this year at mpa it'll be it'll be there woo-hoo! for a lot longer
2: yeah. yeah yeah so i'm excited for mpa uh so yeah so definitely add that page um, there's tons of great materials on there people are super helpful just everybody is just so willing to share we are like, Why you know why reinvent the wheel and and honestly, I think people are pretty flattered when someone says like, "Hey, I tried out your thing in class, and yep. like it worked really well," or like the students really liked it. Or you know, it, the ultimate thing would be they are they're understanding it better. So, yeah. right, so
1: um, and I can attest to that. Uh, I got a good idea uh, the other day, and I, I used it yesterday, and. You know, for better or for worse, I did it, and then I was <laughs> w- able to share how it went right, um with the folks that uh, offered suggestions and it it uh it was it was a good time,
2: good yeah, time. yeah, I know it's, it's just like fun, quick little things. It doesn't have to be something expensive, it doesn't have to be something time consuming. It's just usually little active learning activities to help these really challenging topics be a little bit more digestible.
1: Very cool. All righty. Listener out there, uh, please keep liking. Please keep sharing. Please keep subscribing to the podcast. Uh, You are the bread and butter of this show. We like doing it anyways, but your support is always appreciated. And if you have the ability, um, please take a look at the Patreon or PayPal links on the website um, and contribute to Keeping the Lights On on the podcast. And until the next episode, thanks for listening.